I just want to read a couple of verses. I'm not preaching on this passage of Scripture, but I just want to read a couple of verses from um, Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 27. If you, if you have a Bible, there will be one or two Scriptures that I'll be uh, referring to. So it's Acts chapter 27 and verse 27. <coughs> I just want to read um, three verses there. It says, On the fourteenth night we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight the soldiers sensed they were approaching land. The sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Now, this particular incident took place when the Apostle Paul was a prisoner on a ship that was sailing for Rome where he intended to appeal to Caesar against the unfair charges that had been levelled at him. Now the ship was being tossed to and fro by a hurricane and it was rather, it was a hurricane that went on for a long time. After two weeks they were giving up hope of ever being saved. And then suddenly, in the middle of the night, the sailors realize that they're heading for the rocks. And realizing that they are approaching land, they let down four anchors to hold the ship steady. Storms in the Adriatic were so powerful that many ships needed more than one anchor. And this particular vessel, it needed four and they were held fast by these four strong anchors until daylight came and the storm subsided. Now if we read on in the chapter, we find that the ship was lost, but all 276 people on board were saved. And like Paul aboard this ship, we all go through storms in our lives. Maybe you're going through a storm right now. Maybe you feel you've been through a storm. For almost two years now, we've been, uh, we, we, we've had COVID. And, you know, it seemed, you know, it seems as though we're in, in the middle of a storm. And even now we're not actually out of that storm and there are those who've experienced disappointment there are those who've who've experienced heartache and there are those who have experienced bereavement and we need something to hold us through the storm and that's what i want to have a look at this morning those Four anchors that will hold us through any storm. 
And the first one is that there is a God who lives. There is a God who lives. You know, many years ago, there was, there was some debate going on between theologians, philosophers, and atheists. And there were, the, and there were those who were saying that, uh, and they were asking the question, is God still alive? You know, they were saying that he has not shown himself in power since the days that Jesus was on earth. And there were some who even came to the conclusion that God is dead. But the Bible makes it very, very clear that God is alive. Amen. Praise the Lord. And for those who know him, and for those who love him, and for those who have a relationship with him, we know that God is very much alive because, we, because he is in our lives and we can feel his presence day by day. I want to read a couple more verses out of Acts, a few more verses out of Acts, and this time is chapter 17, and I'm reading from verse 24. It says, The God who made the world... And everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And then in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This means that if God withdrew his hand, then we would not live. We depend on him. He sustains, he not only did he create the world and the universe by his power, but he sustains it by his power. We depend on him, he depends on no one. But he lives in the power of an endless life. And once again in the book of Hebrews and chapter 7. <clears throat> verse 25. <clears throat> it says, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives 
to intercede for them. He is a God who lives. And in the words of the old gospel hymn, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. So there is a God who lives. And there is a God who loves. And in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, and verses 17 to 19, we read this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Here in the Ephesian epistle, we find that, that Paul put, tries to put into words the love of God. He talks about the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. And I have to say that it's actually impossible, not only for Paul, but for anyone to put into words the vastness of the love of God. And you know, the greatest thing about God is not the fact that he is eternal, that he is from everlasting to everlasting, the fact that he's omnipotent, that he reigns, and, all, and, and, the, and also that he is omnipresent. But the greatest thing about God is that God is love. God is love. And everything God does is according to love. And there's nothing in us that gives rise to it. And there's nothing in us that can extinguish it. Do we realise this morning how much God really loves us? Do we realise how much he loves us? There are those who have a totally wrong concept of God. They believe that God is harsh vindictive and cold but right from genesis to revelation the theme of the bible the greatest theme of the universe is that god is love and you know there are people who have problems with that they say one thing i find is that i that i don't love god enough i don't love god enough and I think the problem probably is that they don't love God enough if they know the Lord as their own personal saviour, that they don't realise how much God loves them. And the realisation of this love is so powerful. 
when you re- when you realize that God loves us unconditionally unconditionally he loves us and in John 3:16 we have the we have the gospel for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and when you think about the love that God demonstrated when you think about the love that God showed to us when he sent Jesus Christ the son of God his own his only begotten son to die on a cross and there we have a gospel of love we have we have God showing how much he loves us that he was willing to give his only son to die on the cross and that is the gospel message that we have sinned the bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of god and so there's none of us who can say that we don't need god's love and that's why it was necessary for jesus to come to this earth to take upon himself human flesh and to give himself as a ransom and as christ hung upon that cross the wrath of god was upon him and the, and the sins of the world were upon his shoulders he took the punishment for your sin and for my sin and when we ask for forgiveness when we repent of our sin we receive unconditional forgiveness and cleansing in the blood that blood that was shed on Calvary's cross isn't it good to know as christians that god's love is without limits isn't it good to know that god's love is without measure and when we realize how much we are loved then the scales fall from our eyes and our own love flames in response and then of course there's the inevitable question that some people ask well if god is love why does he allow tragedies why does he allow disasters to happen why does he not intervene to prevent them but when you think about life's evils when you realize that many are the product of human ignorance stupidity carelessness and sin which thwarts the good desires of god for this world they are a consequence of god's gift of free will without which we would be puppets and not people he created us as free agents to love to serve and to influence and to help one another by the same token we have the ability to hurt one another god's love is the second anchor the anchor of a god who loves us too much to abolish our freedom 
in the first epistle of John. 1 John chapter 4 and verses 18 and 19. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. So we, when we tell the Lord how much we love him, then that is a response to his love. And when we realize how much he loves us, then our love is simply a response to his love. There is a God who lives. There is a God who loves. And there is a God who listens. How often is there a communication breakdown? between people. How many times do you pick the phone up and you want to speak to a human being? And sometimes on the other end, on the other end of the phone you'll have what is what is known as an automated menu. And they'll tell you to press 1 if you want this or press 2 if you want something else. And sometimes they'll one one menu will pass you to another menu. And you can go through about four or five of these menus before you actually get through to the, the department that you want to get through to. And I think sometimes when I'm hanging on, I'm thinking, well, I'm hanging on. And, and sometimes they'll play music to you. You know, the music might be very pleasant. Uh, you know, and uh, it might be good to listen to. But you know, you, that's not what you want to do. You didn't pick the phone up to listen to music, did you really? You picked the phone up to get to speak to someone or to get to the department you wanted to get to. <coughs> How often have you been talking to somebody and you get the feeling that they're not really listening to you? You know, there's something else on the mind. Or they're waiting to actually speak and say what they want to say. They're not really listening. You know, my wife tells me that when I'm watching football, that she can get all the answers that she wants. Sometimes she gets the right ones, sometimes she gets the wrong ones. You know, she can get me to agree to anything when I'm, when, when I'm watching the football. <clears throat> Listening is the most powerful way of showing somebody that you care. Sometimes we think we're pretty good at maybe dishing out advice. But we need to be good listeners as well. We need to be good listeners. But the Bible makes it clear that God always listens to us. He always listens to us. In, uh, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 34 and verse 15. It says, the, 
the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. So that means that whenever we speak to God, then he always listens. We have his full attention and he both hears us and he answers prayer. You know, God always listens. When we call upon him, there's no delay. There's, there's no queue. You don't have to wait in a queue to speak to God because his ear is always open and, you, and he's always ready to listen to your request. He's always... So if it is that you've got a problem, if it is that there's something that you want to share with him, something that you want to unburden your heart about, God is listening. When you speak, God listens. He's never too busy to listen to what you have to say. He's just a prayer away. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. What a wonderful promise there we have from God's word. He's the God who lives. He's the God who loves. He's the God who listens. And finally, he is the God who leads. In Isaiah 58 and verse 11, the, it's, it says this, that the Lord shall guide you continually. Isn't it good that we have someone to lead us? And the psalmist in David in Psalm 23, he says, he leads me beside still waters. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. And isn't it good that the... the Shepherd, as he talks the shepherd, in the shepherd psalm, Psalm 23, that the shepherd, he doesn't drive, but he leads. And, he, and that's the way he leads you and me. And as we look back over our lives, it's good sometimes just to see the way God has led us. You know, there are times when we have gone through circumstances that we would probably not have chosen for ourselves. But God has led us and he has seen us through and we've come out the other side and we've been able to look back and we've been able to give God the praise. <coughs> Sometimes we don't know that we're being led until years later and then we see God's hand in it all. In Psalm 61 and verse 2, he says, When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When my heart is overwhelmed. When the circumstances of life become too much for me. When things that, things that have happened, things happen that are unforeseen. We can go to the rock that is higher than I. He leads us. John 10 and verse 3 says, He calls his sheep by name 
and he leads them. He leads them. Isn't it good to know that God knows your name? He knows my name. And he leads us. And we know his voice. Just like the sheep in Psalm 23 when David says, The Lord is my shepherd. He's the one who leads me. And the sheep would recognize the sound of the shepherd's voice. And it's the same with you and I. When we know the Lord, when we're walking with the Lord, we recognize the sound of the shepherd's voice. And he leads. I can remember many years ago now when I was in the pastoral ministry, I had a phone call from uh, Stafford Prison. I hadn't done anything wrong, by the way. But um, I, I had a phone call from uh, Stafford Prison that there was, a, there was an inmate in there. Uh, it was from, in fact, the, the phone call was from one of the chaplains there. And he told me that he'd got an inmate there who, uh, who was showing some interest in the things of God. And, uh, you know, and he just, made, he just made a commitment. He just made a decision. He wanted to follow Jesus. And, uh, and, and this fellow was, uh, was actually from our area. And uh, and he uh, and the chaplain said he he's inter when he gets out of here when he gets out of prison um, he's um, you know he wants to you know he wants to find a church you know where you know where he can fellowship with with other believers and so I um, I made my way to uh, to Stafford well I, I I don't know the area terribly well I probably I don't think I've ever drove there before but I I made my way to to Stafford. And um, I'm not particularly brilliant at finding places, you know, and uh, it was in the days before, uh, you know, before we had sat-navs. So um, I, I had to stop and I had to ask someone where, you know, where Stafford Prison was. And, uh, and I, I stopped the car and got out of this car and I spoke to this lady and I said, uh, and I asked her the directions to Stafford Prison. And, uh, and she says, look, I'll tell you what I'll do. She said, she said, I'll get in the car and I'll give you the directions from there. She says, it's a little bit complicated, but, you know, she says, I'll, I'll get you there. And, and she did. You know, she, uh, she was obviously very, very trusting. I had got my clerical collar on at the time, so maybe she felt safe. I don't know, maybe she did. But anyway, she, she got in the car, and she and when, and when we got to Stafford Prison, I stopped the car, and she got out, and I thanked her very much. And I'm thinking, well, you know, that's, that, that's something, you know, that's, that's a bit like Jesus, isn't it? You know, he, he, he doesn't say, this is the way... And, you know, this, this is the way I want you to go. And you give us a list of instructions. But he says, look, I'll be with you. He says, I will lead you and I'll be with you all the way. Every single step of the way, I will be with you. And, of course, we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. And one day, one day, we're going to... We're going to be with the Lord forever. We're going to live with him in heaven for all eternity. And he's leading us and he's taking us there. But he's not saying, look, if you follow a set of rules, then you might get there. You know, there are some religions who say, well, if you, fo if you follow the rules, then you might get there. And if on the day of judgment, you're 
good works outweigh your bad works, then you might just make it. Praise God for those who know the Lord, for those who have, for those who have accepted him as their own personal saviour, we have that assurance of salvation. We know that, we, that, that God has forgiven us and one day we shall live with him forever. And he is with us every step of the way. Jesus gets on board. He's alongside us and he holds our hand. Those four anchors will see us through the fiercest of storms, regardless of the circumstances we have to face. The fact that God lives, that God loves, that God listens and God leads into this reassuring and encouraging revelation. We need to drop our anchors. What more do we need to enable us to sail through life or to hold us steady when the storms come? One day, our risen, living Saviour, who loved us and gave himself for us, who hears and answers prayers, will lead us through the valley to the place that he has gone to prepare us. And in the words of the Apostle Paul, we will be forever with the Lord. May God bless you. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you this morning that for those of us who know you and love you and walk with you day by day, you have promised that you will be with us. You have promised that you will see us through. You have promised, Lord, a home in heaven. And Lord, we pray that when things are difficult, when things are hard, when things are tough, we pray, Lord, that you will help us to put our trust in you. We pray, Lord, that we might know that you are a God who lives, that we might experience the love that you give, and that we might bring our, our prayers to you, that we might bring our, 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 our needs, and that we might realize, Lord, that you will continue to lead us on until that day when we stand before you, until that day when we see you face to face, and we live with you forever and ever. And so, Lord, we pray that what we have heard this morning will live in our hearts, that as we recollect it in the days to come, that it will be an encouragement to us and we'll give you all the praise and we will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.